Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Gompies, and welcome to Hums and Hits Volume Pod, the podcast that looks at the greatest compilation series that this country's ever produced. My name is Josh Earl, and joining us today... Two very special guests. Normally I only have one guest. Very special. I've known of them both in very different ways. I only just met them. One, I keep seeing their live shows on Instagram thinking that that looks so much fun. I want to do that. And the other one entered my lounge room each Sunday in my final year of uni. And even though I was an excruciatingly snobby indie kid, I was hooked on the show. Please welcome from their show, Game on Mole and the Music Trivia, Not on Rider. Please welcome Eamon Clark and Ian Dicko Dixon. Yeah. Hello. I did, it did make me sound like a, a, a home intruder, didn't it? Well, no, it was fun. It was very welcome. I, we we sat down. It was Australian Idol and then uh, earlier was uh, Survivor. They were the two shows that no matter how cool we were in uni, they were the two shows we were. How old were you in 2003? 2003. I was 20, 21, Okay, right. So old enough to know better. Yeah, absolutely, right. yeah. Okay. But it was uni. I was there, yeah. Welcome to Melbourne. You both, you're in... Brisbane, Amy. Brisbane, yeah. yeah. Sunshine Coast. Not to put, not to blow up your spots, but mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, I want to talk music. So we're going back to the year 1999. What do you remember about music in 1999? I was working at BMG uh, UK at yep. the time. I was their vice president of international and I was flogging Simon Cowell's boy bands around the world like Westlife. Yes. And, um, yeah, working with those sort of artists. So it was good fun. Simon Cowell's been on the – as in, like, his artists have been on the podcast a little I, bit. I so would far. imagine, yeah. Yep. yeah. What about you, Eamon? I was just learning to read time. Uh, How and, old are you? Um, oh, I was eight okay. in 99. So I'm, I'm 32 now. Oh. So, I was, yeah, I was eight. But I, I do remember I do remember that time. That was when I was starting to discover music. And well, I remember some, some of these pop songs are aimed for that age group, I think. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, DK, you, you started, so I'm very excited about this, you started at Creation Records, is that true? That's right. That was my first job. I was working there like three days a week for 50 quid yep. with Alan McGee. Yes. And, um, yeah, they were kind of a struggling seminal ba- uh, label at the time. Were you there when My Bloody Valentine was? Yeah, just uh, My Bloody Valentine were just coming in. The, 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 the bands that were there, Jesus and Mary Chain, yep. uh, they just kind of, they were drifting away from Alan McGee at that point. Primal Scream were big hitters. Yep. A band called Felt, yep. um, the Weather Prophets, and there was a band called The Loft. The Loft, and so yeah, there was um, yeah, it was it was a good label. It's funny because um, we saw on one of our shows, me and Eamon uh, saw Lindy Morrison from Go Between yes. the other day, and I was telling her a story about how uh, on my lunch break I was reading a football magazine, soccer. And eating my sandwich, and Alan McGee comes in and he goes, "Oh no, Ian, put the football magazine away. I've got the go-betweens coming over. They'll not think it's cool." <laughs> so I had to clear it up with Lindy. Would you have been offended if you'd yep. seen me reading a football magazine? She went, "No, no, Dal." Would Robert Foster though? He yeah, he would have. Yeah. yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, he would have been shaking in his skivvy, wouldn't yeah. he? Yeah. <laughs> now, because your band, The Creases, mm-hmm. I read a review that they were likened to Jesus the Mary Chain. 
Yeah, we tried to rip them off a lot, didn't that's we? All right. Yeah, we had a crack at it. We were actually we were on rough trade for a little bit. Oh, that's cool. And they uh they didn't they didn't uh opt to continue our contract. <laughs> we, they just put out a single. Um, but yeah, we used to try and rip off all those bands. Why did you like the Jesus and Mary Chain so much? Oh, they're just cool, weren't they? Because I've got a I've got a contention. I think the Smiths and Jesus and Mary Chain, two most important bands of the eighties. Yes, out of the UK. We we wanted a standing drummer too for a very long time, yep. but it just wasn't feasible. Mm-hmm. It's also it's open chords with lots of feedback. It's easy to play. It, exactly, yeah. it's just Beach Boys with fuzz. And yeah. you know who the stand up drummer in the Mary Chain was, don't you? Yeah, it was Bobby Bobby Gillespie, Gillespie right? from yeah. Primal Scream. Yeah. yeah, but he had he also had Primal Scream at the same time. He was just helping out. So. Mm. And then it was at that stage they went from kind of twee indie to what they were when they... Well, you mean Primal Scream? Off. Yeah. But Primal Scream, mid-90s, discovered Beats with Andy Weatherall when, when Ecstasy came into yeah. on the scene. A lot of those bands, like the, the trajectory of rock music and Beats intersected around Primal Scream, Andy Weatherall, like, uh, Happy Mondays, Stone Roses. Because I remember that C86 compilation that mm. was NME put out. Yeah. One of the, yeah, and they were on there and they had a... It, like I'd I'd known of Primal Scream from post rocks mm-hmm. pretty much yeah and then when I heard that I'm like this doesn't even sound like the same band but if you go back to when they started like Velocity Girl they're Jingle yeah. Jangle Birds ripoff yeah so they're like a, a real sixties retro band in fact they used to have they had a guy who just played tambourine in the band called Jugs who was impossibly skinny and a, a Glaswegian he used to dance around like a the sprite of the forest with the tambourine and he was um, but he was fantastic but yeah they moved on from that into once they were getting heavily into ecstasy yeah. and discovered beats and worked with Andy Weatherall that's when that screamadelica sound yeah. came on wasn't yeah. it true that he did a remix it was it loaded he did the yeah. remix mm-hmm. and um, they just liked it so much they're like all oh, right this is what we sound like mm-hmm. now yeah that's Absolutely. Great. So then you moved to Sony from Creation. Is that where you? Yeah. Well, it was actually CBS Records okay. at the time. So the the company was called CBS. A year later, it was bought by Sony. Yeah. And became Sony Music. And yeah, you worked and with. I've got here. You worked with uh, Celine Dion. I did. Yeah. I was told under in known certain terms by our new Canadian CEO. Who'd signed her to the Canadian company? You're going to break this girl. So, and that was fairly threatening. You go, ah, guys, our jobs are on the line here. So we had to break a 16 year old Quebecois girl who didn't speak English into the market. Yeah, but when, yeah, she became huge. When you said break this girl, I thought you meant as in like break her down. You mean like, oh <laughs> right, break it down? Yeah, or, yeah, that could have gone bad ways. That so going from Bobby Gillespie to Celine Dion would be quite the shift. Look, do you know what? It's you would think so, but the the UK industry is a pretty broad church, and actually British music fans um, pretty, sit, sit pretty easily with rock and pop as easy yep. bedfellows. So it's okay to like take that and Oasis and Jesus and Mary Chain. Yep. It's like because no matter how cool you are. The way you get laid is by going to discos. Yeah. And if you're not down with a pop and dancing with the girls, you are going to go home on your own. In in this country, it's sport or music, mm. really. Yeah. yeah. So then you moved to Australia 2001. Yeah. And I, I first saw you thanked on a live DVD of You Am I. You were in the... Yeah. I, yeah. It's Tim Rogers was a rock god and, and he, they was on... BMG at the time and much loved, and uh, I worked with them. I remember that we brought the Strokes over, yeah, I, I and put them that first Strokes album. We put them on tour with UMI around the country, yep. so got to hang out with those pretty posh boys from the Strokes. There, there was a stage there where UMI, all their support bands were blocked. So I remember they had the Vines the yeah. next year well, for the next support, and yeah, it, they, yeah, they were like a fabulous catapult for yeah. really hot new bands, yeah, and they just stayed the same. All right, so we're going to talk about '99 then. So. 
the year is 1999. If you told me 20 years ago that I'd be in a room at age 41 about to play this song, I'd go, my life has gone very bad. But here we are. <laughs> we are listening to the Venga Boys. Oh, yes. And their song, We Like to Party, brackets the Venga Bus. Here we go. I'll just turn this up a bit. You can't talk over it. Go off. Dicko's dancing. (laughs) This is, um, see, this is genius pop. I think uh, pop needs to be this stupid to be this good in its purest form. Hold on, let's, let's go for the drop. There we go. We're all dancing. Do you know what? I actually did, when I was on radio in Melbourne, I did a wrestling bout in Richmond in the back room of a pub. And um, I I had a leotard made with with a Union Jack on and had a bowler hat (laughs) and called myself the governor. And I came on to this song. I came on to my wrestling bat with this song. This is and, so- and there were all these young kids going, fuck off, get off, you wanker. I said, I've never walked into a gay club as wonderful <laughs> as this before. Now, gosh, all these awkward little kids shouting at me. The amount of people who tell stories about radio, which were so visual, it's like you came in, you didn't need to be in the leotard. You're on radio, but it's fine. All right. uh, do anyone mind if I pause it now? No, I've got enough. Okay, there we go. That, that's the Venga Boys. Mm-hmm. That's the Venga Bus. Thoughts on that song, Eamon? I think it's a banger. That's what I was going to say. That's Eight great. years old, you would have been loving this. Oh, I really was loving it. And and the follow-up was a boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a huge tune. But I was I was really into Aqua uh, yep. around that time too. And I've been surprised that Aqua hasn't had as much of a comeback as uh, Venga Boys have. Yeah. Well, they, they were also Dutch as well, weren't they? Uh, maybe they were Danish. Danish. Oh, uh, yeah. I always get them it's confused. Similar, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so... Th- well, these guys, Dutch, when you, in 99 you think Eurodance has left us, but no, yeah, they're, no. they're back in a big way. Uh, so the band was a creation of uh, producers Wessel van Dypen and Dennis van den Dreyschen. They were also known as Dransky and Del Mundo, and the Venga Boys was their original name. So Wessel was a radio DJ and host of a popular Dutch pop show called Countdown, different to our Countdown. And in the mid-90s he turned VJ on a show called Wessel's Wild World. And I was hosting this show that he had the idea of the Venga Boys, so held open auditions. And that's where he cast two boys, two girls, and they were the Venga Boys. That was always confusing too, as an eight-year-old. Yeah, why is the Venga Boys got women in it? Yeah, yeah. it's only the girls singing too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so this is their second single. It went number two in Australia, kept off the top spot by Britney's Baby One More Time, which was Max Martin's first number one mm-hmm. hit. Yeah. Uh, it also went top five in the UK. Germany, the Netherlands, and Switzerland, and got to number one in Belgium. They love it. It's a hit, though, isn't it? Let's face it. It's, it got, it's got all these signatures that you want. It's it's instantly memorable. It's dumb as dog shit and fabulous. Yeah, and it's just and it knows what it is. Yes, that's the thing. If you're a real pop song, a true pop song has to know what it is. That's got no pretensions beyond joy, mm. and it works. They're they're still together. Does that yeah. surprise you? Well, they just played Fortitude Valley Music Hall. Yeah. Oh, I know a lot yeah. of my bands who I work with went to see them and you go, are you kidding me? These are kids who weren't born there yeah. and they love it. Well, that nostalgia tour is quite heavy. They performed with Steps a few years ago. Mm. Bigger in Australia than anywhere Steps else. Steps can fuck off. Though, well, Steps have only got three original yeah. members now and S Club was also another one where they only have three members. Yeah, one of them's just cocked, isn't yeah. One of S Club's oh, yeah. S Club six now. Yeah, yeah, one of the guys, yeah. Uh, but in 2010 they released new, a new song this is when you know you know who you are. They released it with Pete Burns from Dead or Alive mm-hmm. and Perez Hilton, and the song's called "Rocket to Uranus." Yeah, I remember this. I'm yeah. ahead of you. I'll, I'll, I'll play. I'll play. I'll go from the chorus. 
So here we go. Here's the chorus. It's got that I feel love bassline on it. But there you go. That's all you need. Yeah, once that is rubbish. It, once you write the line party on your anus, you yeah. know you've got a hit on your hands. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Now, this is a, a song I don't remember, even though I was old enough to uh, kind of listen to this kind of music when it came out. This is Monifa, not Monica, Monifa, and their song, Touch It. It's a good start, isn't it? It's not, not too bad. Yeah. Oh, there we go. The real yeah. song's turned yeah. on. Do you remember this at all? Not at all. I, I listened to it um, on the walkover. Yep. Mm. It's weird. They, there's a lot of talk about freaking you, and I feel like yeah. that, that was a very 90s thing. You don't hear that much anymore. Yeah, there was a, a whole, like, there was Freak by Snow, I think, and then there was Freak, freak with You. By another freak, level. Yeah. Freak Me by Silk, too. Silk, that's who I'm thinking of, yeah. not Snow. Yeah, it was. It was a real 90s term. Yeah, freak You. Yeah, what does that even mean? This well, is, like, now on the radio, you can just say... Fucking. Yeah, so, yeah, that's true. This is instantly forgettable, isn't it? I don't, at the end of the show, when I get you to rank them all, you will go, how did that one go again? I yeah. guarantee it. But, yeah, I mean, these things do tend to get slid into compilations to help with the on-recoup balance of the artist, though. Yeah, well, this she's a one-time collaborator with Heavy D, Sands the Boys. This is the lead single from her second album, Mahogany. The song went top 20 in Australia. Mahogany. Canada, mahogany. Oh, that gives her an air of class altogether, yeah. doesn't it? You've got some hardwood going on. <laughs> well, this song's about hardwood. Is it mahogany? Is it like Monifa? It is, is like it? mahogany. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, so top <laughs> 20 in Australia, Canada and Belgium. Pretty much anywhere where Lord of the Fries has a source named after it, That's where, that was her market. So the film clip is her and four backing dancers performing at a US Army base, mm. like share Doing style. it for the troops. Yep. Uh, and the guys losing their minds to how sexy these five women are. Mm-hmm. And the director wants us to believe that these men, these train killers, mm. spend a day doing a craft at noon mm-hmm. and they have signs saying how much they love her yeah. and holding up uh, Monifer and uh, touch it signs. Don't you wish your girlfriend was patriotic like yes. me? Yes. But not once are they... There's no security there. If they really wanted those five ladies, they could have walked up and got those five ladies. But they're very respectful gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. Respectful kings. Yeah. Uh, So this was her biggest hit. Her two follow-up singles got to 17 here and then nothing else cracked the top 50. 1999, we were just stepping into a period of music where R&B like that was the the stocking trade. That was meat and drink for the business. Yeah. That was pop basically for the next six years. So you reckon this was put on there to recover some costs? Oh, yeah, look, undoubtedly. I can't imagine that anyone would have been creaming their pants about having that added on to this. I'm surprised it made it so near the top, actually. Well, I would have stocked that in at track 18. Because you worked at a, at a label, were you ever putting together compilations or were you fighting for your artists to be... No, the compilations were handled by a, 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 a department called Commercial Marketing. Yeah. And they were did all the re-releases, the budget releases and the compilations that went straight to TV. Yeah. Like we used to have a thing, now that's what I call music, yep. volume 92 and stuff. And then when I moved to Australia... We had So Fresh, yep. which was a joint venture between Universal, Sony and BMG. Yep. 
and uh, and that was and yeah, you'd fight to get your act on because ultimately, you know, that was the big that was the big winner. So uh, the album, that track, would get would it be earning as much money as the Venga Boys on the album? Yes. So. You well, know, the, poly, the the economics of it makes sense. Well, hundreds of hits at this stage weren't like they weren't selling as much as the Hit Machine, which was the other, which mm. was what So Fresh turned into. All yeah. the Hit Machines went to number one. Mm. So if you got on a Hit Machine, you actually mm. got a, a bit of money. So you look at that and you're like, oh, this is where all the Australian, like the Mushroom Acts, were going mm. to, you know, get some money. Uh, Manifa is still busy. Can is I say? Yes. She's still returning calls, yeah? In 2012 to 2014, she was one of the stars of the TV show R&B Divas. Did you, did really? you ever catch this? Okay, no. Alongside Dawn Robinson of On, on Vogue. Lativa Robertson. Does that from, name familiar? From? Original member of Destiny's Child. Oh, really? The first two albums oh. she was on. Um, I don't think she's got Beyonce's number anymore, though. No. I don't think Beyonce's returning those calls. They were childhood friends, and then Beyonce kicked her out of the band without uh, saying it to her face. I'm sure she'll get a job as a judge on an Australian talent show at some point. Well, you know how to, who to contact? Yeah. All right, here we go. This is uh, now, this is from your home country, uh, Dicko. These are some schoolmates. This is a band called Ultra, and their song, Say It Once. Buckinghamshire, where's that? South of England, one of the home counties, one of those counties that ring London. Yeah. I rate this. You like this one? This is great. They weren't successful though, were they? Ultra, you know, we all we all know Ultra, and they're big. No, they mm. weren't. No. So I think it's one of the perils of naming your boy band after a feminine hygiene product. You know. <laughs> well, they named it after the Depeche Mode album. Oh, really? That, which. Can you hear any Depeche Mode in this? Not really. No, I can I hear a bit of Bross in it. Yeah. So they had a few names. Uh, Ultra is probably is the best choice. Uh, their other names were Stepping Stoned. Very good. Oh, that's terrible. Decade, which sounds too much like Decade. Mm. And then the other one, Suburban Surfers. Oh. And, well, and they rounded on Ultra. Then they went with Ultra. Oh, a smart move. Yeah, I think so. Was there also an ultra around that time that we had a hit with If You Can Read My Mind? Was that? Or was that? Or oh, Ultra Break no, My Stride? Was that Ultra? No, no. Break My Stride? They had that like dance remix? They're going to Break My Stride. Oh, was that? That wasn't Ultra, I don't think. It wasn't? Okay. Got to keep on moving. Yeah, like yeah the, the I, I know the song. I don't know the I, I worked with uh, Five. Yes. Who were a big, big boy band yep. and did huge business around the world. And the, the the father and son team, Chris and Bob Herbert, who put them together, also put the Spice Girls together. And the interesting, what I learned at that point about Five and how they put Five together is there's a science in the way you put a boy band together. They used to get all these girly magazines that had pictures of hot boys in them and strip out types. Yep. They would rip out types of boys and put them on a pin board and see what types of boys work together. So the blue-eyed, like, virgin, the naughty boy, like the mixed-race one, you know, the, yep. the dancer, the bodybuilder. And they'd get the, they'd get these types and then they would go and cast for those types. And that's what they did with five. Yep. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really interesting, fascinating from a marketing point of view, working on, on boy bands. Yeah. Because I remember once when we signed Westlife, who were four Irish lads who were managed, five Irish lads managed by Ronan Keating and Louis yep. Walsh from Pop Idol. Louis Walsh, famously for turning down Harry Styles. Yes. On, yeah. But um, 
But they, um, they, they did an audition in front of Simon Cowell and he went, look, I don't really get it. The, your main singer, the guy with the brown hair, I just I don't really get it. Yeah. And they went, oh, no, what are we going to do? Because they were talking about the best singer from the band. So they actually did another audition for Cowell the week later in Ireland where they'd, um, they'd taken Mark and dyed his hair blonde and put him on the end of the line, did another audition and he signed him. Just blonde. Blondes have more fun. That's yeah. all it is. <laughs> so these guys were school friends. So they didn't have. They this didn't, is ultra. This is ultra. Yeah. So they didn't get uh, like cast like uh, that. They were just some school friends. Um, they they were adamant they were a real band, not a boy band. Yeah. Everyone tries to pretend they're a real band. I know. It's that thing of not knowing who you really are. And to be honest, when you've got a pop group like that, the last thing you want is them to be a real band. You yep. you ultimately want them to shut the fuck up. And and record the album, the tracks that you want them to record, dress in the clothes that you're going to give them, have their hair done in the right way and just be cute. Yeah. The last thing you want is artistic <laughs> integrity. In fact, Simon Cowell refused to sign artists who played their own instruments. See, that's, that's like too that. much. No, that's too much. <laughs> Surely you want to have some he's, fun on the tour bus. He's, he's, he's play stepped something. into Putin territory yeah. at that point, has he? Because it, it is a thing of, though, like these guys, they were – Big in Milan, they got mobbed by 3,000 teenage girls when they got to Milan. And it is that thing is, were they really mobbed or were they tipped off, hey, girls, this is where Ultra's going to be, all go there. Like, but when you have a band like that, say you've got one in the band who thinks they're a real artist and they go on podcast or radio, as someone who's behind the scenes, are you really worried about that whole thing if they go off script? They don't go off script. Okay. They, they, they wouldn't dare go off script. Because everything they have is given to them yep. and can be taken away and they can be removed as well. Well, these guys were removed as well. <laughs> they, so they uh, this song got to four here, 16 UK, didn't chart again and they split in 2001. The label dropped them um, before they started recording their second album. I think that there was some heads at the label changed and they went, we don't need these guys. They think they're a real band. Uh, they did get uh, back together in 2002 under the name Ryder and they recorded a World Cup song called England's Crazy with former footballer and manager Terry Venables. Oh, no. And that got to 46, and the group blamed its poor performance on the lack of promotion from the label. So it's always the label's fault with these guys. That must be hard. No, no, they they, they need someone to kick against. And to be honest, more often than not, it is the fault of the label. Overworked, not enough resources and not enough focus. And too many people at major labels who don't like music. Well, that's, I think... That's what comedy shares as well. Mm. People are up, up top who do not like comedy. They've mm. seen too much. It's just all the same. All right, moving on. Now this is uh, first time I think for him solo, but huge, huge in his other band. Take that. This is Robbie Williams, his first number one. It's Millennium. Here we go. This has got that Bond theme, isn't it? It is it, the it? Bond theme, yeah. Because I don't think I think they I don't think they're allowed to use it. They had to record their own yeah. sort of riff. So Guy Chambers, yeah. who co-wrote it and produced it, he kind of what's the word? Uh, extrapolated? No. No, he, it was an homage, homage. to John Barry. Yeah. What this this reeks off to me is it's um because Bittersweet Symphony came out two years earlier. Two right? years, yeah. It just seems like a kind of poor man's version of that, right? Well, I, I guess Robbie was, I don't know him personally, but he seemed like he always wanted to be in with the cool kids and yeah. he was not in with the cool kids. He, he actually was. He was? Yeah, he was. I, I know Robbie, been out with Robbie a few times. Robbie was Robbie was accepted as as our, he was the pop star that all the cool kids loved. Yeah. See, Gary, like, 
Robbie went to hell and back, and we loved him. For, Gary Barlow went to the shops and back, yeah. and no one gave a, gave a fuck about it. <laughs> whereas, whereas like Robbie, I remember a night out with Robbie and some journalists, where it, Robbie had hired a a security guard to follow him to stop him doing drugs. So every time I went for a piss, Robbie followed me into the loo and said, have you got any gear? And I went, oh, and then this security guard would appear and look over Robbie's shoulder at me like he was going to kill me. And I go, uh, no. <laughs> and it was really awkward evening of the, like this, these weird interactions with him and his security guard in toilets. Yeah. And, I, and the worst thing was, it stopped me taking any fucking coke yeah. all night. So was his security guard just talking about like UFOs, trying to get his mind off drugs? Because he <laughs> loves UFOs. That's the thing. So but Robbie, I, see, I'm surprised that you think Robbie was not a cool kid because he really was accepted into I'm going, that domain in the UK. I'm going off Noel Gallagher and Liam Gallagher interviews where they were like, he wanted to be in with us, he wasn't. But I, I guess he was they had in, a bit of a Do you know what? There was a time when he was in with them. Okay. They fell out because they're three big personalities, right? Yeah. And they ended up hating each other. But there was a time, there was about a six to an eight-month period when those boys hung out together and did loads of naughty shit. Yeah. And, and f- frankly, Robbie could, it, it, Robbie could do no wrong and, and, and there was no one in the record industry, cool kids or, or otherwise, bagging Robbie during that time. Yeah. Robbie was God. Well, he was, he's very likeable as well. He's very funny. He's honest is what he yeah. is and that's the difference. Robbie's an honest pop star. He's similar to how we treat Shane Warne. Mm. That kind of yeah, they've done bad things or they've, yeah. they've said dumb things, but he always owned it. Yeah, yeah. Which it, we've talked about this on the show as well. As well. So we, when take that split up, I thought at the time Mark Owen's the one who's going <laughs> to have the career, not Jason Orange. No, <laughs> but it was or that, Howard. <laughs> Howard. Howard's just the dancer, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. But it was that thing of like he on paper he looked like oh well he's the little cute one he'll he'll go and maybe I'm just like projecting on onto him but i'm like oh well, that's the one but robbie was the one who actually was the he's the only bad boy who's come out of a, a boy band and done well right yeah apart from harry stars is it, well, he wasn't well, the, he wasn't, he wasn't a bad boy he was though. The sexy one he they're all the one. sexy yeah because um jay was the bad boy in five but it was abs who ended up having a bit of a solo career yeah was joey fatone the bad boy joey fat one yeah, joey, joey fat, fat one. one was he the bad one well i i should point out i i, I made an error on a couple of episodes ago i said that Joey Fatone, the fat one, was dating Jennifer Page when she was only 16. I should know that she was 26. I did my maths wrong. So <laughs> apologies quite a bit. <laughs> to the fat one. <laughs> a listener did point me up, put, pull me up and said, that, that's not right. Uh, so in Australia, this song only got to 24, um, which is, you think that's not, uh, take that was huge here, but mm. we just didn't go for this song. Uh, in, I, I, th- oh, I, just, I think this is kind of a crap song, to tell you the truth. Do, do you think so? Or- <sighs> Oh, look, my brain's broken from doing like 56 episodes of this show yeah. where I'm listening to all this pop music. I think this, as a pop song, is a very good song. Mm. Yeah. I don't think it's got a bad chorus and it's got that fabulous terrace chant in the middle, come and have a go if you think you're hard yeah. enough. Yeah. I think the the riff's really, the sample's really cool, but I, I don't think the chorus has much to it. I, I don't think it's super... We got stars directing our faith. I think it's a good, I think yeah, it's a good melody. Yeah. It's a good sing-along. Yeah. Well, in the UK, it got to number one, knocked off uh, All Saints from the top spot, which... Um, at the time, William, Robbie and Nicole Appleton were dating and he said, well, if I'm going to knock anyone off, I might as well knock off my missus, which is <laughs> a great way to do it. Uh, the album, huge, uh, mm. went ten times platinum. Uh, the reviews were very favourable. Even NME liked it, gave it eight out of ten and said, boy, what a record. And then he went on to say, uh, 
He'll never be cool by that constipated, soul-crushingly snobbish James Lavelle definition, but he's a natural-born star and he wants you to love him. Now, you worked with James Lavelle, didn't you? You did Mo Yeah, Wax. I worked with Mo Wax. Yeah. yeah. That, in fact, that was one of, the, one of the best records I think I've ever worked on was DJ Shadow introducing, which is genius it's such from a start album. to finish. It's, I used to play that on my drive home and my driving down the A3 on a rainy night that was my widescreen interpretation of this record. Yeah. And it was just genius. James Lavelle was great. He was impossibly cool, invented trip hop in London. And yeah, I was very lucky. Yeah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, moving on. First Australian act for the, for the podcast. Here we go. This is, they are... The biggest thing to come out of Lismore. They've actually got a new album out today, I think. This is Grinspoon and this is their song, More Than You Are. Mm. So this is what I was talking about, the gear shift in the record. Yeah. Mm. So was this a hit over here then? No. No, it's an odd inclusion then, isn't it? Yeah. So we'll talk about it. We'll give it a bit of a listen so people can listen to it. I think I remember as a kid thinking that this was like the police academy guy. Uh, <laughs> Michael Winslow. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I know who you mean. Uh, Bob, 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 Bob Kate Goldthwait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A man that um, Jerry Seinfeld hates. Oh, really? Yeah. He, Why? Because he uh, kind of turned his nose up at Jerry Seinfeld when Jerry was doing it and Jerry was like, you've got no act, you've got a voice and that's it. You yeah. lose the voice and you're nothing. And still, after Jerry's huge success, like the guy's got so much money, still resents him. Damn. Yeah. On comedians got getting cars, getting coffee. On comedians in cars, getting coffee. He still brings like, it up. Brought it up with someone because she said, "Oh, I really like Bobcat Goldthwait." And he goes, "No, that guy. Fuck that guy." <laughs> it's the angriest you've ever seen Seinfeld. It's great. Anyway, this band. Okay, named after a professor from Harvard who supported marijuana use, Dr. Lester Grinspoon. Uh, they were Triple J unearthed winners in 1995 with their song "Sick Fest," which appeared alongside this song on their first EP called "The Green Album." Or was this called? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. These guys like to smoke bongs. Hell yeah. Um, but that was in late 97 they released that. And, and so, no, that was in 95 they released that. This album's out in 99. And so I think what's happened here is uh, Guide to Better Living came out in 97. That was their first album. It was huge at my college, like year 11, 12. That was, that was the album that everyone kind of, you know, moshed to at the school dances. That had Just Ace on it, mm. Champion. And uh, Dead Cat three times. Uh, and I reckon this was put on as a way for the label to go, all right, this is a song that people wouldn't have really heard. We'll chuck it on and try and get Grinspoon some some more love. What do you think, Dicko? Makes sense. It's a bit of a misstep, though, on an album like this. 
Um, stands out like dog's balls, really. Yeah. That said, um, we've got a huge amount of time for Phil. I love Phil. I think Phil's one of the great uh, front mm. men. And mm. it's interesting because I had Quan Yeomans from Regurgitator on the other week and listeners will get sick of me dropping his name. But uh, <laughs> he was saying he was very happy when Grinspoon came along because they, they took all the dickhead fans from them who just mm. wanted to go and fight and mosh yeah. and Grinspoon got them all, which I found weird because as a front man, especially back then, Phil had he wore lipstick and had the nail polish. Mm. And was still very much embraced by the kind of like the alpha guys who go to festivals and just want to punch on. I bonded with Phil at Byron once in a chance meeting. I, I, I did a, I did a, a piece on Four Corners on the ABC about being a problem drinker. Yep. And um, I ran into Phil at uh, Byron when around Splendor, and he went, "Oh, Dicko." He said, "When I was in rehab for Ice, they showed me your Four Corners thing. You're a bit of a pinup boy." And I was like, oh, "Bullshit." <laughs> And now we bonded a bit and then I wandered around the corner and there was some ice addicts. Went, Dick, oh, I saw you in rehab. I went, fucking hell, he's telling the truth. That's so funny. So uh, Dave O'Neill talks about how they used to play his film The Nugget, <laughs> one of the few films they had in one of the prisons here in Victoria. So Eric Banner. Out, yeah, people oh. come out and go, I used to watch you, your film all the time in prison. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, so this is the thing. So um, these guys... You know, they've had their internal fighting. They kind of changed their sound. They went from this kind of stuff and then they went, we are, we want to be a big kind of, not stadium band, but, mm. you know, that kind of rock music that could support you too. Uh, they support, like, toured America quite extensively and they would support act for Creed. Mm. Oh, wow. Lit. <laughs> Godsmack and Anthrax. They supported all those guys in I've, the space of two years. I've kind of gotten back into Creed lately. Yeah. Really? It's actually, they're quite good. Take a shower. <laughs> I I only know uh, with arms wide open. Oh, dude. That's and, I know, and I know that, yeah, I know them as a punchline. You're going to have your world rocked when you go into their <laughs> catalogue. Is it Scott Stapp? Is that the guy? Scott Stapp, yeah. They're, they're very Christian, right? I think he was, yeah. So is, yeah. So is Eamon. Ah. Yeah, no, yeah, thanks not, for mentioning it. Not, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Take all kinds here. It's fine. All right, moving on. Hey, we talked about this artist uh, a couple of weeks ago with Cameron James. This is the follow-up to Believe... This is Cher and Strong Enough. I don't need your sympathy. There's nothing you can say or do. Do you know this one? Yeah, we thought you just said Strong Enough. Strong Enough. Strong enough. Beef Strong that. Enough. <laughs> yeah. Strong Enough. I eat, I eat strong Beef Strong enough. enough. Yeah. No, that's the Weird Al version. Strong yeah. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> No wonder she's a gay icon. If you put menus in there and recipes. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was really her chasing the, the gay dollar. And it will kick in in a second. Yeah. You'll hear how. There we go. Yeah. Every song that had aspirations for the pink dollar around this time had this sort of backbeat. Yeah. It's a very I Will Survive string line, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. All the reviews I read about it were like, yeah, borrows from Glo- Gloria Gaynor. Yeah. I've got a qu- uh, quiz question for you, Josh. Yes. Which other uh, female singer had a hit in the 90s called Strong Enough? Cheryl Crow. Yeah, nailed it. There we go. Go off. Yeah, you've met your match, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't like answering questions. I'm rather ask the questions when I do quizzes. Uh, okay, so uh, this uh, was the fault to believe. Believe was huge. Mm-hmm. This in, in America didn't. Didn't really grab them, even though all the reviews were like, this is the better song. Mm. But I think in hindsight, it's not the better song. Believe is a great song. Mm, it is. And it's aged really well as mm-hmm. well. Uh, this got to 57 in uh, the in the US. It did top the Hot Dance Club play chart, though. 
And uh, but it got to number one, and listeners will know exactly where in Hungary. Of course, yeah. Stroganov. Stroganov. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Hungary, they've got a wild, I don't know if they got these compilations in Hungary as well, but there's so, so many number ones in Hungary. Really? Unless there was a Hungarian working in the offices there and went, this is, this is going to be a hit. Uh, so it went uh, top 10 in 12 other countries in the UK and New Zealand. Uh, it got to 11 here in Australia. Have you spent any time in European countries, either of you, where there's been a song that's huge there and then you, you go back home and no one's heard of it? Or uh, Scotland when they... Talk about Deacon Blue. That's oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, then I, we talk about John Farnham, and they're like, "Who?" Like we, we. I think they know one song. Mm. They know you're the voice over there. I went through like Poland, and Heavy Cross by Gossip was the biggest song. Oh there. wow, it was playing everywhere. And I came back, and no one had really heard it. I was, I was thought it was kind of interesting. Like things like that can happen. Yeah, I went to Finland, and uh, I went to a metal band there. And the metal band was called Anal Destruction. It was great. Oh, oh, and, uh, <laughs> but I was like, when I'm in Finland, I have to go to a, a metal band. It's not my kind of stuff. Yeah. But it was like lots of, and as I left, they were handing out flyers. And I said, oh, no, thanks. And they cottoned on that I was Australian. And they went, ACDC, ACDC. And then they called me Baby Man. They said, Baby Man, ACDC. And it was like one of the highlights of my whole trip. I was oh, like, yeah. I was they like, try and drag you along to a hymn concert. No, they didn't go to no hymn. No, I did go to Bar Loose, which was apparently Iggy Pop's favourite bar in the world. And this is one thing in Finland. They don't uh, pour the beers all the way to the top. What? Why? I don't know. Oh. They have like about an inch off the top and that's it. That's how you, they don't trust you not to spill it. Okay. Travel, hey? It broadens the mind, doesn't it? <laughs> They've got perfect carpets though. Yes, they do. They, they match the drapes. destroyed anuses. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, Cher has an incredible career. Still in the public eye because she's very funny on Twitter. Uh, she had a number one hit in the 60s, the 70s, 80s and the 90s. I think 2020s her year again. She can have another number one. Uh, even before she had number one hits, she sang on hits. I didn't know this until this morning. She sang on Phil Spector songs such as uh, Be My Baby by the Ronettes, mm-hmm. oh, uh, The Crystals, Da Do Ron Ron, and The Righteous Brothers, You've Lost That Love and Feeling. She was one of the backing vocalists. Really? Yeah. Well, above my toilet at home, I've got my first ever awards disc and it is a silver single for the Shoop Shoop song oh. from Mermaids from Cher, yeah. So did have you worked with her? I didn't work with her personally. I released. I was the product manager marketing that album. Yeah, that had um, that song on it. So, and it was the first disc I ever got. So, so she sits. Cher sits proudly above my toilet. Well, Cher is also a Tony Award away from an EGOT. So she's got the Emmy, the uh, the the Grammy, the Oscar. She also has uh, Golden Globes. And I looked in. She hasn't won. She's been nominated, but she hasn't won a Nickelodeon Kids Choice Award. Which if she did, she, she could have been an eggnog. She could have been slimed. <laughs> she could have been E.G. I've got one of those, bitch. Come on. We'll give it to Egg Shirt. All right, moving on. Here we have Faith Hill and her song, Let Me Let Go. We're going country, guys. Well, not really. Pop country. Do you like country at all? Yeah, I work in country now. I still couldn't eat a whole one. Look, I I like country pop more or something that's got a real soul. Look, this is shiny, shiny fucking country pop. She's obviously married to Tim McGraw, you know, so they're royalty. She's beautiful. She's great. But this is just a big warm drink of water, isn't it? That was great radio experience there, Dicko. You talked up to the post. Stop talking. The post. They call talking up to the post. Yeah, but there's normally a countdown on the screen, so yeah. to help you do that. Your face, 
You are listening to yeah. Smooth FM. See, last time we, we talked about her on the show, it was with This Kiss, which is a, a mm. very good pop song. This is more in her kind yeah. of... This is filler. ...country. Yeah. Well, Cameron James, after he was on, he said he listened. He spent a week just listening to Faith Hill. He loved it. Really? Yeah. Forgot about her. Now now he's all in. All right. So this is uh, this was used in the Kevin Costner, Robin Wright pen movie, Message in a Bottle. Mm-hmm. Of course it was. Interestingly... She's now starring in 1883, which is the prequel to Yellowstone, which Kevin Costner's in. So there's there's a connection there. Mm. I don't know if there is. Anyway, this song topped the American country charts, was nominated for Best Female Country Vocal at the 2000 Grammys, but lost to Shania Twain's Man, I Feel Like a Woman. Mm. As, as it should as be. She never had yeah. a chance. Yeah. Was, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Hopefully we it's get taking to Taking a feather to a knife fight there. Yeah. Uh, but Faith's time will come in a few years and we'll talk about those in a few episodes. So she's paid her dues as a performer, absolutely. She performed to a heap of country festivals and fairs mm-hmm. on that circuit and she talked about one gig where she had to follow a tobacco spitting contest. Amy, what's the worst gig you've ever had to do? Oh, my gosh. And uh, don't say this podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, as a band, I think my... Oh, it was an amazing gig, but we did a ter- terrible job. It's probably our best and worst gig of all time. The Splendor Amphitheater. Oh yeah, we had to open it on um, on the final day of Splendor on Sunday. So we we yeah we we went there on Friday. Oh, so excited! We're splint like we're we're artists. We've got these passes, and uh, we went out partying every night. Yeah. We, were, we were all camping, and just just going really hard. And then Joe, our singer, uh, the night before our show, he went to go do a wee. Uh, in the bushes and passed out midway, fell and uh, passed out into his way, fell asleep there, woke up with like glandular fever or something like that. <laughs> really, really sick. And this was, you know, this is our big, our big debut. We we're playing on the amphitheater to potentially 30,000 yeah. people. I don't know. And um, yeah, Joe was so sick. He was like, I think we need to cancel. We can't do this. And I was like, there's no way yeah. you're canceling this. Um, and he's like, oh, maybe, maybe if we can get me some sort of like, I don't know, some Ritalin or something, I could do it. So um, someone went around and tried to find him some some sort of upper and like we we pushed him out on stage and we just played the shittest gig of all time uh, on the amphitheatre or just... I wouldn't beat yourself over the third day of a festival. Mm. I think most people in that crowd are feeling a bit rusty. Yeah. yeah. Most of the crowd were at a tobacco spitting <laughs> yeah. contest anyway. So. Yeah. But we were never invited back. What, and- year, what year was that? That was 2014. Oh, I was there that year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have been up by that stage. Uh, yeah. I also had For the a, best. I, the night before, I think, the final night, uh, Outcast played. Yes. And I had a very big one. I talked about it on a separate podcast that Michael Hing thought I pissed my pants in the crowd. I went, no, 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 I pissed out of my pants. I was just in the crowd. <laughs> the big difference. Big yeah. difference. Uh, but also, they. this is fun. So I was headlining the comedy tent, mm. headlining. I was there. And uh, they said, oh, you can have a hotel or you can camp on site. And I'm like, oh, hotel, thanks. And I'm like, oh, really? Because most of the artists want to camp. I'm like, no, I'll, I'll go hotel. Um, I'm in my 30s. I can't sleep on a on a floor, on a, on a ground. And so uh, they were like, okay, Will Anderson sleeps in a sleeps in there. I'm like, yeah, cool. You can book him next year. Um, and Every, everyone was like, oh, just stay in the tent, just stay in the tent. It'll be so much fun. And I had to get a bus back to the thing. And as soon as I hit my pillow in my hotel room, I'm like, this is the best choice. Well, I've made this. We it's did so it, good. We did it last year. So we did it in uh, in the comedy tent. We did Not On Your Rider, yep. Dicko and I. 
And everyone who stayed in the tent, they all got flooded. Oh, yeah, that was, like, that was like people getting trench foot. Yeah. yeah. So that was the night before. So Jen Fricker, who was supposed to be on the show, she was in the tent and it collapsed on her in the middle of the night. Uh, we all, we opted for the hotel. Oh, we stayed at my parents' house, which is up the road anyway. Yep. Oh, um, that's easy. But yeah, we, we did that show and then the festival got cancelled. Like straight yeah. after our set. So we headline Friday. That's we it. Headlined. That's how you do it, yeah. Great. All right, moving on. No more to say about Faith Hill. Thanks, Faith. <laughs> this is Pandora mm. and their song, Smile and Shine. Here we go. Swedish artist. Are they or a she or what? She. She. It's a sing artist, right? Yep. Should see her box. No. Come on. <laughs> I reckon it's, it is a, with pop songs. It is a good idea to start with a chorus I if agree. that chorus is good. But if you start with the <laughs> yeah. chorus and the chorus is mediocre at best, <laughs> you know it's downhill all the way from there. Don't yep. you? All right. Especially when you compare it to the Venga bus. Yeah. Too. It's incredible that we're going. Not a patch on the Venga bus. Oh, no, it's <laughs> it's not incredible. I mean, that is a pristine pop song that has stood the test of time. This would not have lasted the year and it would have been consigned to the bins. Well, you say that and it's pretty much exactly what happened. So this was a Swedish artist, her only hit in Australia. It was a hit in Australia and Finland, 17 here, 15 there. It was from her 1995 album Changes, but this is 1999. And she released an album only in Australia called Blue, which was a best of all of her previous, like I think she had four albums at that stage, only released in this country. This song is not on that. So I'm not sure what's going on. I looked into it. So she had a song called Spirit to Win, which was the official song of the 98 Winter Olympics in Japan. Mm. So maybe Universal saw a market. But Spirit to Win isn't on Blue either. So I, I, I don't know why. Hmm. What, what's got, does anyone have any I'd say that he's um, been brought to you by Arse leading the Albo Records, yes. basically. They're still active in the music industry. Pandora's still going. Really? In 2020. I would say not. Come on. Well, 2020. Sell me on this one. She was in the Finnish version of The Masked Singer. Yeah, that's not really the industry, is it? Dressing up as a fucking prawn and singing covers. <laughs> and in 2021, her song came second in the Finnish selection process for Eurovision. Again. Yeah. <laughs> she's still working. She's still no, working. She's still trying. <laughs> There's a difference. Why, why do you think she uh, targeted Australia to put? This is, I don't know. I don't know if she Soft did. touch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you reckon that's what it is? Yeah. Can't make it here. Let's have a crackdown under. Yeah, that's well, what they all thought. Got to seventeen. That's that's nothing. To yeah, heady at. heights. Yeah, that's all right. Better than me. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Nothing more to say about Pandora. That was that's done. <laughs> all right. Moving on. Now this one, I will say, I don't want to. I don't want to sway your votes because I know you get to vote at the end. This is a banger. This is Billy Piper, and this is Honey to the Bee. Mm. Just in case you didn't know what a B was. Literal. (laughs) It's a slow start. I'll say that. Radio edit. 
Sorry, sorry to talk over it. No, you can. You know, I thought that Millennium was a bit of a, a bittersweet symphony. I'm getting Never Ever by 100% Never Ever. I've got in here, it has a real All Saints filter. Well, All Saints was two years early, wasn't it? Yeah, they were, yeah. This, yeah, and this, I remember this at the time thinking, we all went, "Mm, it's just a rip-off of Never Ever. Mm. What do you think of Never Ever? Do you think it's a good song? Oh, Never Ever is one of the finest pop songs ever. Thank you. I've had listeners saying it's no good and I'm like, no, I'm I'm sorry. That's a a wrong statement. I think, yeah, Pure Shores is one of the best songs from that period too. That's on that album? Is it? I don't know. I've only listened to the singles. All right. Yeah, yeah, oh, you know Pure, Pure Shores, though. Mm. Yeah, it was from the beach. the beach. I can feel you. Oh, I'm sure I know. Yeah. 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 yeah, this is a rip-off of Never Ever. Yeah. You know she had a hit when she was 15, though? Yeah. She was massive. So this is from that album. The, the, the album's called Honey to the Bee, but just the letter, but this song is called Honey to the Bee, oh, as, in the, as in the animal. She ended up marrying a big radio guy, uh, Chris Evans, yeah. and living in on a, on, a, on a big housing, like a big sort of massive mansion near where we were in Surrey. It's funny because I was looking, we talked about it a few weeks ago, but I didn't mention that because she was 18, he was 34, yeah. I think, and there was a bit of a... And bit, Ginger. Yes, mm. and there was a bit of backlash about that. And she talks about going, it was great. I actually needed someone who was famous... Uh, to tell me what being famous is like. And she goes, I spent five years just pissed. It was fun. Mm. And they're still friends. Mm. Yeah. And she ended up on Doctor Who as well. Yeah, Doctor Who and also uh, Diary of a Call Girl yeah. and then a new one called uh, I Hate Lizzie or something like that, which she's getting like BAFTAs for. It's meant to be really, really good. But she was up when I remember when she when they launched her. She was meant to be the big, big pop thing. She was going to be enormous. She was on everybody's lips. Yeah. So. Well, this, this song uh, got to number three. It was her biggest hit in Australia, got to number six, went to five in New Zealand. But it was also uh, back in the charts in 2007 when Chris Moyles, another UK radio host, uh, with the new chart changes, they were now including downloads, he thought it would be fun to get this one back in. And I think they're mates. Mm-hmm. And so it was like got to number 17, which I reckon he'd be a bit annoyed at. Yeah, he would. He'd be going, oh, I want it to be number one. That and was now, kind of pointless. And now this is kind of 17, <laughs> such yeah. a kind of, ugh. Yeah, it's right. Pandora territory. Yeah, so I, look, I would say, and, and I thought All Saints because it just rips off All Saints, I think it's a more mature-sounding pop song than what was about to come in. So Britney Spears was about to come in. We had, uh, what else was there, Christina Aguilera, Bardo. Which yes. begs the question, do you really want your pop to sound mature? Not from and that's the thing. No, no, that's it. And, and that's when you you listen to that sure song strong enough it's too mature it's too comfortable it's like a it's like a warm drink it doesn't it's got no thrill factor but you listen to the venga boys venga boys from the first notes has got a thrill factor yep and and it just takes you puts you on a different setting energetically i'm I'm very surprised by the amount of love venga boys is getting on this podcast (laughs) but i'm here for it I, i love it okay this is our last song this is another teen star this one back to sweden her first appearance, I'm going to say only appearance, this is Amelia and her song, Big, Big World. Oh. <laughs> now, at eight years old, you'd have been loving this song. Yeah. It sounds like a nursery rhyme. It does, doesn't it? Everyone's wiping tears from their eyes. 
I started off enjoying it. <laughs> oh. oh no. Millie's a big fan of the pod too. She's going to oh, be devastated. I'm so sorry, Millie. <laughs> All right, we'll pause it there. All right, what do you think? I, look, I, I didn't mind the energy level in that. I yeah. thought it, the space was really good at the beginning. And, um, you know, there was, it was, there was some interesting ideas there. Um, but voice just sounded a bit soppy. Yeah. Well, the, the melody is from Bach's Peasant Cantata. I, I, I didn't know that. I had to look that up. Uh, but she was discovered by Lars Anderson, who's the son of ABBA's manager Stig Anderson. Mm-hmm. Oh. Didn't do as well as ABBA, I no. would say. But it went to number one in eight countries. Got to 17 here as well. So just like, just like Honey to the Bee. It's what was the chorus? We didn't get to the chorus, I think did it's we? It's just that again. I think I'm it's a that. Big girl. Yeah, I'm big, a big, big girl. Big girl. Yeah. Like, like the other one. It was the start of the chorus. It kind of starts off like a, a proto kind of indie Zoe Deschanel type <laughs> kind of thing. And then yeah. it, it turns into like Lay Miz halfway through. Yeah, I can see that. So this song uh, holds a record in Sweden uh, for receiving the, the most, most death threats. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fastest played single. Well, that's they the, sped it up well, to get it over with. That's yeah. what I thought. No, but it was played at least once every 13 minutes at its peak. Wow. On Sweden. Wouldn't want to be on that station, <laughs> would you? you imagine <laughs> this fucking song again and changing channels. Oh, it's on again. It just mm. got everywhere. Oh. And it won the Swedish Grammy, they spell it G-R-A-M-M-I, not Y, uh, for Song of the Year in 1998. So it was the best song in Sweden. Wow. Do you know the funny thing about Swedish artists is when they when they record their songs in English, they're always really good direct lyrics because it's their second language. So bands like the Cardigans yep. and stuff would write really good pop lyrics because they would just be a lot more direct. But that was just a bit too soppy, I reckon. You know, it's very it, it sounds the kind of song that. Uh, primary school leavers, like year sixes, would leave to. That would be at their graduation. Okay, we're going to play this song and yeah. walk out and your parents will get your photos with you. All right, so that's the end. That's the end of the compilation, okay? Volume 28, side A. So now we go through and I get your votes on if it's a hit or not. Okay, so first song, We Like to Party, Venga Boys. Oh, do you really need Absolute to? hit, okay. Smash. Touch It by Monifer. No, it's rubbish. It's a miss. It's, okay. it's not, it, should, it sounds like a B-side. Say It Once by Ultra. Hit. Um, probably should have done better, actually. I think that was a missed opportunity. I love any song that has uh, like a lead vocal and then a backing vocal that's kind of saying the same thing and then it weaves together and it says it together. I'll have to go back and listen to it. I wasn't listening to that that well. All right, Robbie Williams' Millennium. I think it's a miss for me. Hit for me. I was there. So we'll go, we'll go two and a half. Okay. Uh, More Than You Are by Grinspoon. No, it's not, it's not a hit, is it? It's a good sounding track, but it's not a hit. It's not a hit, but Phil, if you're listening, come on the show. Uh, <laughs> share, strong enough, or strong enough, if you want to say it the correct way. It's a hit for me. No, I think it's a really nice song, but it's more of an album cut. I don't think it's a hit song. It doesn't have the tingle factor. Okay, so we're now on three. Okay. Uh, Let Me Let Go by Faith Hill. Miss. No, miss. That's a big miss. Pandora, Smile and Shine. Why is it even on? <laughs> should not. should have cut that. <laughs> Nasty. Miss it. Honey to the Bee by Billy Piper. Mm. It's a hit, but it's not her hit, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it's someone else's. It's an All Saints hit. I'm going to give it a hit. <laughs> and Big Big World by Amelia. 
it has to be a mess for me. No, look, I'm going to give that benefit of the doubt because I think it's it stood up and did what what it was going to do, which is to engage its home market. And there's the signs of interest in there. We didn't get all the way through that song, but I'm, and it proved itself. It got played every 13 fucking minutes. <laughs> it really did. You know, to be honest, radio is so ruthless. They wouldn't do that unless it was doing the business from. And it's perfect radio length, three minutes twenty five. So that's not anymore. What is it now? Well, it's like be two, under three minutes, yeah. 250. All right, that is 45% hits. Well done. Well done. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Hey, thanks for doing this, everyone. Thanks uh, for having us. Tell people about your shows that you've got. Well, we've got a, sh- a podcast together called Game on Mole. It's, like, it's, a, it's a silly little trivia game show where someone's a mole and uh, it's with Dicko and Selma Soul, who's a, an amazing drag queen up in Brisbane. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and we also do Not On Your Rider, which yes. is a music comedy trivia show, and he drags me on it every now and then, and I love it to bits. You did a show in Melbourne last night. Any more live shows coming up? Oh, n- not not yet, but I think we have to. The, the response was so great. Yeah, I great. had so much fun. So we're normally locked in Brisbane, yep. but uh, we went to Sydney last week, Melbourne this week, and we had a great time getting out of town. Is it a monthly thing in Brisbane? It is, yeah. yeah so if you're in Brisbane, go along. Mm. Make sure you go. So I'm, I'm it's sure- an institution in Brisbane. Yeah. It's fantastic. I'm sure you already do if you listen to this in Brisbane, you go along to that. Yeah. And uh, look, Eamon's questions are just fantastic. He just finds a way of really get it, weaving some weird and wonderful stuff into it. Great. Hey, thanks everyone for being Patreon subscribers. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, yesterday's uh, episode with Tommy Daslow talking about Hit Machine 16. You're all the best. Go to patreon.com slash DYKWIA if you want to hear those episodes. That's all for me. Thanks everyone. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>